welcome everyone. My name is Mapston. I'm the president of the Real Estate Student Association under the Westman Center for Real Estate Studies. I am joined by my friend and fellow RISA executive, Mr. Harrison Graham. Today, we are very excited to have Mr. Trent Edwards, who is the acting chief operating officer at Brookfield Residential, Alberta, and a member of the board of directors for Calgary Economic Development as today's guest on the podcast. Welcome, Trent. Thanks very much, Mapson and Harrison. Appreciate uh, you guys hanging out with me for a bit. Before we get too far into things, uh, could we get just a very high-level overview of your path into the industry? Yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't a direct path, that's for sure. Um, I mean, uh, first of all, I, I uh, sadly everyone might turn off uh, the podcast after this, but uh, I'm from Edmonton, uh, a U of A grad. Uh, moved to Calgary uh, after graduating because uh, Calgary was definitely uh, then and still is uh, known to be the entrepreneurial uh, city, not just in, in Alberta, but, uh, but in Canada. So uh, that was my full focus in graduating was, was coming out to, uh, to Calgary. So that was back in 1995. Um, I, uh, I'm a CPA or I was, was a CA at the time, but uh, uh, spent six years with uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers, um, and and honestly, the the whole goal there was uh, my goal was to run a run a company, um, and I didn't know what that would look like, what kind of company. I just knew that that's that was where I wanted to end up, and a CPA was was a good path uh, to get there. Uh, great experience, great learning, great people I met, um, but uh, when. Uh, when your favorite things are lunch times and Friday beers, uh, you know you're probably not in the uh, in the right, uh, uh, I guess, career. Um, so I actually spent my last three years while working, of course, but uh, doing a lot of interviewing and, and trying to figure out where my passion uh, was going to lie. And uh, I, I found out pretty quick it wasn't oil and gas. Um, you know, when an engineer. Uh, had to tell me uh, what the asset was, whether it was proven and probable and all, all of those things. It was really hard for me to get excited about it. Uh, um, so, you know, I spent, spent three years uh, showing up to every interview that, uh, that people put me forward to. Uh, never said no. Um, certainly learned how to interview, uh, what kind of questions to ask, um, what was going to get me excited about being with a company. And, and where it landed was what was something I could get passionate about uh, what kind of people would I be working with, um, and what was their vision, and could I could I buy into that? And uh, you know, I didn't actually have any real estate background, uh, but when I met with uh, the people from uh, Karma at the time and now Brookfield, um, I was just blown away with what they stood for, what they did, um, and uh, and jumped in with both feet and became the the corporate controller there, um, and uh, and then just progress through the company, um, being, of course, uh, doing your day job uh, at night um, and just uh, asking as many questions as I could to learn the business uh, during the day. So that that's the, the long and the short of it. And uh, certainly glad for, for the choice I made. Uh, I'll jump in there and just, I kind of want to get a little bit more understanding about your path to becoming the Alberta Chief Operating Officer of Brookfield Residential. So um, I guess let's just start with the why. Simon Sinek always tells us start with the why. So out of all the sectors in real estate, why residential? Well, that was where the opportunity was. 
Um, and now we're into a whole bunch of, uh, of different residential or, or different uh, types of real estate, uh, commercial, uh, even some industrial. And, and uh, I, I've, I've now got the opportunity to, uh, uh, to be running things across Canada and, and to Australia. And, and we've got all kinds of different projects. And I can tell you, I can get passionate about almost any kind of real estate. Um, but residential, I mean, it's still at the, at the core of my, uh, I guess, passion. Um, when you can, when you can be involved in uh, somebody's biggest purchase they're ever going to make, uh, biggest decision they're ever going to make, uh, or at least one of the biggest, uh, and you can shape that and be involved in that, and hopefully uh, have them be really excited about that. Uh, to me, it's uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty exciting, and well, not to mention it's it's always good you know, dinner party conversation, uh, as far as where people live and, and their house and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, that was, uh, honestly, what still gets me excited today, um, is, uh, you know, having the, that big impact on people's lives and, and, and the community as a whole. Yeah. And I certainly know that holds true to great many number of the students that I'm with in my classes. Um, let's talk about, talk about karma a little bit. So, uh, you exited, U of A, you graduated, and in six years, you were able to secure a VP position, a leadership position uh, in karma developments. Um, and for a student like myself, I see that achievement, I can only wonder how. So <laughs> can, you, can you go into a little bit about what attributes led to this kind of success in such a short period of time? Uh, yeah, and, and I don't know if anyone's gonna like hearing my answers on this one. Uh, and and when, while you were talking there, I was just thinking back, I actually came to Karma uh, and uh, that same year, actually the following month, I uh, had my first kid um, and, and have four now and, and uh, they're all teenagers, which is, which is fantastic. Um, I've survived and my wife survived and they've all survived. So that's great. But um, I remember uh, my... Uh, my wife, and who knows why you have a, a six-month birthday for a kid, but uh, she thought it was a good idea. Uh, and I was, it was 10 o'clock at night, and she was showing a, a video of, of my uh, six-month-old bawling his eyes out, and, and she just giving me a hard time for not, uh, for not being there. But uh, you, you got to put, you know, you got to make choices. Uh, sometimes they're bloody hard, and don't ever, I'm not trying to say they don't ever uh, prioritize work over, over family. Family's always first. Um, but I worked my tail off for, uh, years. And like I said, I would do my, uh, my job, my day job, what I was responsible for on the finance side of things, uh, at night. Um, and during the day I was curious as hell. So, uh, I was asking uh, everybody from, from our office, uh, about what drove their parts of the business. I was going externally and I was attending conferences or seminars or, or whatever it was. How could, I, how could I absorb more and learn as much as possible? Um, and uh, so I, I would say it was curiosity. Um, it was hard work. Uh, and then business acumen was, uh, was probably a, a big piece of that as well. Like I, I really don't think I could have uh, um, climbed as quickly as I did. Um, without that, uh, without that acumen, um, in, in simple terms, that's probably how I would, I would oh, say. Yeah. That. And for those students that are curious, uh, Karma Developers was one of the first development companies in Calgary. In fact, uh, Ralph Skirfield, 
was one of the founding members of that company. So I guess you could say that our business faculty will forever be linked to the real estate industry. Um, Well, and one other one, just before you jump in there, I don't know if you guys knew, but uh, the Dean, Jim DeWald, uh, also worked at Karma. I did not know that. Interesting. The real estate industry runs thick in our education. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. So um, Trent, you entering Karma, I know that Brookfield had already uh, acquired or had a significant stake in the company. Um, can you speak a little bit to the, to the vision and the, and the corporate culture and also their thoughts about master planned style development? Uh, I know Karma was one of the, the instrumental companies to actually bring that to Calgary. You Are you talking about master plan? Yes, is that sir. what you're, you're speaking of? Yes, sir. Yeah, and and this is to me what um, uh, separates a developer from a community builder, and and uh, you know I think anybody uh, can put a group together that um, is good at engineering and, and can figure out how to operationally do something successful um, or or to make money. Uh, but to to truly be a community builder, you you have to be thinking of that emotional uh, aspect of it. And uh, when you're when you're building a master plan, how are you creating those places and spaces for for people to connect, uh, for people to feel like uh, they belong? And, uh, you know, we put an enormous amount of thought around that, um, both from not just from the hard landscaping and, and how we build our houses and, and those types of things, but the programming as well or the retail or whatever those amenities are. Uh, how is that going to help uh, create community? Uh, one of the first stats that uh, that I remember resonating with me is, is that only 24% of people um, actually knew their neighbors well enough to go ask for a cup of sugar. Uh, to me, that is complete crap. Uh, it needs to be 100%. I mean, that's that's when you know you have community. Like, how many block parties a year you you haven't? Um, obviously, we can't have many right now, but uh, but that that sense of community that's sense of having people's back that safety security aspect is not is not just about safety and security it's about wanting to belong to belong to a tribe um, and you know to me that's what made karma now brookfield uh, very successful is, is was the, the little things the fine details of that emotional side of things that uh, that really that really drives us and when you uh, were promoted to the chief operating officer of uh, australia New Zealand. Did you bring this kind of thinking with you uh, down under? Yeah. yeah well, that's uh, how, how long do we have? Um, <laughs> you know, when I when I went to Australia, I had never run a company before. This was my first opportunity. Um, so I had gone from you know running the finance side of things here uh, in in North America for Karma uh, to running um, the Australian company, and it was in the middle of the global financial crisis. Uh, we had 30 projects um, a- across 14 different cities in Australia and New Zealand, uh, and 28 of the 30 were were underwater. They had more debt on them than what they were worth. Um, so for me, at that point in time, it wasn't about creating community; it was about survival. Uh, so trying to figure out what we had, who we had, what sort of team we had, uh, and where we needed to focus. Um, so, you know, you certainly realize that, uh, a burning fire doesn't need to be put right away if there's, you know, 30 other of them that, uh, are burning even higher, but, uh, uh, it was, that was more of a, how do you build trust within a team, um, as to where we need to go as a group, 
uh, where do we need to push certain things aside and maybe sell? Uh, what do we need to improve on? Uh, and I'm, I'm talking about from a valuation perspective um, to, to be able to potentially sell that if we don't want to develop it out. Uh, and it was a really good learning for me. Uh, the leadership uh, we had there, uh, Brian Kingston, who is still uh, high up, obviously, in, in the Brookfield world. Um, but Brian taught me a lot of lessons. And the biggest one is never fall in love with the asset. Um, when you are doing the right thing for the asset, it doesn't mean that you always need to, to take it all, all the way through. Um, so Australia was, was a different learning. It wasn't a learning about creating great community. Um, it was it was learning about what makes a great asset, what makes a great team, um, where where focus needs to be, and and you can't focus on everything. Um, so I, unfortunately, I don't get to answer your question, Harrison. But uh, uh, that was uh, it, I had two two years in Australia, and I got ten years worth of knowledge. It was uh, it was a very stressful but rewarding time. I mean, certainly that time abroad allowed you to expand yourself both personally and professionally. Um, and, and to expand your perspective as well. Now, um, as students uh, look to graduate and move on to full-time work, um, would you suggest that students seek employment outside of Calgary, Alberta, and maybe even Canada to gain those different perspectives and bring that into future work down the road? Well, first, Mapston, you're, you're killing me with uh, saying I'm going to suggest people move away from Calgary. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to have a two part answer to this one. Um, first of all, uh, I think getting experience uh, in different cities, in, in different environments and different ecosystems or just traveling in general, like uh, just personally, um, the learning that you get by uh, being in a different culture. Uh, by seeing how things are, are done. Uh, I mean, when I moved to Australia, it drove me crazy that they took two months for Christmas. Like literally nothing got done in those two months. But after a while, I was like, well, who's right? Maybe two months for Christmas is a good thing. And uh, anyway, uh, so, so what I would definitely say, and, and I would have never been given the opportunity that I have now um, had I not gone away to Australia um, and, and got all the learnings that I did there uh, to be able to bring them back uh, here to Alberta. Um, but, but what I will also say is, is if, if uh, you know, those people who are thinking about going somewhere else, uh, about Calgary not being the best place because of, because of the economy uh, and because of what they're seeing maybe in front of them, I would, uh, I would, and it was interesting too, because it just reminded me, as you were saying that I had a couple of uh, previous students that were at the Westman Center, they called me up and now they're, they're in real estate jobs and they've got great jobs. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, they, they said, Trent, why the heck would we stay in Calgary? Uh, I mean, we can go to a different city like Austin or Nashville um, and, uh, you know, make, make more money than we're making here. It costs less to live there. Uh, they've got great, vibrant cities, um, and it's a heck of a lot warmer. Like, why would I stay in Calgary? And and honestly, you know, other than the fact that I love Calgary and I've got my family and my friends here in Calgary, and I loved Australia, it was awesome. Uh, but you know, Calgary was still home, so I wanted to come back. Um, but I really believe that in the next five years uh, in Calgary, and maybe a little bit longer. Uh, there won't be a better opportunity to see more 
from a challenge and opportunity side of things to see complexity uh, and to see a lot of collaboration between industry, city, uh, universities, et cetera, because we have to. Uh, and, and, uh, and not because we're desperate, but because opportunity in front of us to create a, a great, well, we are a great city, but an even greater city. Um, so I, I don't think you're going to get that experience in any other city over the next five years as you will in, in, in Calgary. Uh, so it's an exciting place to, to have an opportunity to influence uh, a future direction, which is the best part about real estate like you can take your kids or your grandkids one day and say hey look i had a part in this i actually did this and it's and it's something that's always going to be there so anyway I, i'll get off my soapbox uh to say yes travel is great go learn a ton and make sure you get your butt back here to to make this city amazing i, I love that answer and uh a, a lot of our guests kind of the same story resonates with them and they have similar uh stories about their past where they've went abroad, learned, brought it back and made Calgary a, a more vibrant place to live. Now, with that in mind, um, you know, young adult immigration has been a hot topic um, in the minds of business owners in Calgary. Uh, recently, uh, there's actually been a debate on the CBC Calgary eye-opener, I think it was last week, um, where they were talking about Calgary economic development. Now, we know you sit on the board, what do you think Calgary needs to do to retain and attract more awesome young educated talent? Yeah, boy. And I, I again, this is another, uh, if you got an hour, because um, this is where my passion really is right now. I mean, I truly, truly believe um, that the, the, the number one critical component of, of building a successful city is attracting and retaining talent. Uh, and, I, and I'm sure everyone has, has also said that who's been on the, sh the, the podcast before. Um, but in, in my view, there's, there's also three components that will help attract and retain talent. Because if you attract and retain talent, you're going to attract and retain capital. Uh, and if you can do that, then the world's your oyster. But to me, to get that talent and retain that talent, there's three things you need. One, you need low tax. Two, you need an ease to do business. It's not hard to get stuff done. And three, you need a vibrant downtown. If I look at any of the cities that have gone from, I'll say a low base, uh, where they were fighting bankruptcy to now being the most successful cities in North America, I'll, I'll ring off five of them, but Austin, Nashville, Pittsburgh, Denver, and now Detroit, all of those five had the exact same formula. Of course they did it differently and there was little differences between how it all came out, but low tax, ease to do business and a vibrant downtown was consistent with all of them. Um, so that's what we need to do. And, and that's what we're very much focused on right now. And for the first time in a very long time, I am actually seeing great collaboration between the city and the industry because we, again, I said this earlier, but we see an opportunity to actually make a big difference. We know we have a lot of work to do to get there, uh, but if we work together, we can make it happen. So um, it's not like we're trying to create something that's never been done. Those five cities have all started to go through it. Detroit obviously still has a ways to go, but those other four, if you've been to any of those, uh, amazing cities that I think young talent wants to be. And the last thing I'll say there, Nashville, 
uh, where we're building the big, biggest uh, mixed use project uh, in, in Tennessee history. Uh, lots of good stories behind that one. Um, but Nashville has the highest number of mobile workers under 30 uh, in North America. Why? Because they've got low tax, um, you know, ease to do business, a vibrant downtown, and let's chuck in the best broadband uh, in the U.S. So um, anyway, the formula is not that difficult. It's a matter of working together and then getting the political will to make it happen. Yeah, certainly. Um, for a city to accept the innovative ideas of uh, young people and all people definitely would bring success to the city. Uh, Trent, looking inwards now to Brookfield's just talented team of people, uh, I think it's a fair statement to say that the best development teams, community builders in our industry are proactive leaders accepting these new innovative ideas. Um, can you speak a little bit to the channels that you uh, and the team at Brookfield used to stay informed, uh, specifically with regards to Brookfield's new digital and technology innovates, or sorry. Hmm. But I, I, I get, yeah, I totally get where you're going with that one. Um, and uh, what, I'll, what I'll say first is uh, if, if you ever start with technology um, as, the, as the driver, um, to me, you will never succeed. You will never get the focus of, of actually achieving success um, because there's so much out there and it's changing so fast all the time. Um, I think you need to have a vision of where you're wanting to go, uh, what problem you're trying to solve, what opportunity you're trying to take advantage of. How are you trying to enhance the experience for your customer in whatever fashion that is? And then you go back to the tech technology aspect of it. Um, you partner yourselves with amazing companies. I mean, we've done a ton uh, with Apple, who is helping us with an app, they're helping us with our smart home, and they're helping us with our sales process. And, and plugging into to guys like that and girls like that that have that innovative thinking uh, and don't necessarily know our business, but can look at our business and say, well, what about? Um, so, so that's definitely one is, is making sure that you are reaching out to those that have that expertise to have them look, look at your business. Uh, second is, is obviously there is a ton of, of great, uh, reads out there, whether it's through social media or Harvard business review or, or ULI, we, we have a lot of great innovative thinking that is happening all over the world and it doesn't necessarily mean we have to start with something from scratch. If it's being done somewhere else, great. Uh, then why wouldn't we steal it and bring it here? Uh, so we spend a lot of time going on tours, uh, a lot of time even you know, going to, uh, to Europe to look at how they're doing factory uh, built housing. Um, there's a perfect example of how innovation without the end in mind and without thinking about how a customer may think about it experientially, uh, or even just from a quality perspective, you may get the wrong answer. We can build a house out of a factory faster and better from a quality perspective, but a customer doesn't think so. They don't think it's gonna be as good. So we can build this big factory and it costs a lot of money for that, but people aren't necessarily gonna buy that house. There's a big shift to be making there. Anyway, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent. Um, my, my biggest point is to start with the end in mind, think about what you're trying to achieve and then the world's your oyster as far as where you can get the information and, and leverage that. Um, we don't have to be the smartest ones 
to, to come up with that stuff. Um, but we sure know how to, how to get to the how once, once we figure out where we're going. No, absolutely. Capitalizing on the, on the uh, innovation that you know that the, the industry is going to go to, crucial to being successful. And that actually leads into our next question. I'm going to pass this off to Mapston. Yeah. So the question is, is, you know, um, as there are so many variables in, the real, in real estate development and the world that we're living in is always evolving, how do you and your team look ahead of trends and actually bring things to people that they don't even know they want or need yet. Yeah, well, isn't that the art? Um, and and uh, I would say there's there's no easy solution to that other than listening to the customer to try to get insight as to what they like and what they don't like, uh, understanding what the uh, the vision is of where you want to take things. Um, trying to work through what the potential problems are and then how do you bring it all in to, to come to a leveraged solution and and uh, I'll, I'll provide an example of I mean this is the simple one that it's embarrassing that we can't do this better as an industry uh, um, but every person out there right now I'm gonna guess has bought something off of Amazon uh, where they're in their pajamas um, and instead of going out to the grocery store or going to the uh, mall to, to buy whatever they want to buy, they're, they're shopping uh, with their phone or on their computer at home um, and then it gets delivered to their house. Um, why haven't we been able to figure that out? Uh, so that's not even necessarily trying to figure out what a customer wants before they know. It's saying if they can do it in every other industry, they should be able to do it in ours. So we need to, to move ourselves forward and try to make it as simple as possible for someone to build price, buy a home, have the trust to be able to do it. I want to get to the point where there's a buy now button and someone can actually hit that. And whether we use Bitcoin or, or who knows to make that transaction uh, uh, take place. Uh, but the point being is, is we have to provide a, uh, I guess, an ecosystem where somebody feels like there's they're stepping in the home where they feel like they know exactly what they're going to get, that they don't actually have to go to that house uh, and stand in it to get that appreciation. You can do it with a car. Why can't you do it with a house? Um, so a lot of focus is going on there. Uh, another one that COVID has brought for us. Uh, and, and again, I'm not answering your question. What I'm saying is, is, is know where you're going as a company, take the situations that are there and then try to, to mash the, the, the two together. Um, but with, with all the health and safety uh, precautions that are out there right now, how do we get in and provide a warranty to a house? How do we even see what the problem is in the first place? So we partnered with uh, one of the, the uh, fellow uh, advisory board committee members of Haskane, who I'm, uh, who I, I'm with uh, there, uh, he started up his tech company, uh, and it's called I See What You See. Um, so it's you know device agnostic. Uh, it's like a, a, I don't know Apple Video on steroids, um, but so it doesn't take up a bunch of space. And a customer can show us what the issue is, or we can even use it if it was a city permit guy to show them the work that's been done. But but ultimately, here's innovation where a customer can, can show us how serious the issue is and we can talk them through what that fix would be without ever actually going into their house. If it's an emergency or something that could turn into an emergency, we'll figure out how to best work with the customer at that point. But there is 
wasn't a lot of infringement going in and out of a house trying to figure stuff out. Um, so uh, anyway, it's it's uh, it's not one simple solution as to how we keep ahead of this stuff. Uh, it's always having top of mind how to create the best experience, have a vision of where we want to go, and then reacting to the situation. Yeah, Guillermo sells our great connection to have. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, no, yeah. So you mentioned the Haskin uh, Advisory Board. Um, I know Risa. We advertise ULI as a platform to get uh, or or to to connect with tons of industry leaders. And to be honest, it's the number one question us uh, directors at Risa get from MBAs, undergrads, PhD students. How do I build my connection? How do I build my network? So. I want to ask you so they can mm. hear it from you. What's the best way, uh, or how would you recommend for students uh, to begin building their network? Um, so, uh, how I would encourage you to 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 go about doing that would be one: have a little bit of a vision of who you want to be, um, what you want to be doing, what gets you excited. To get up every day, um, what do you see yourself uh, uh, spending your life uh, doing, and and then who are those people um, that that fit the the criteria of you know that's maybe a type of position I would like to be in, um, and reach out and uh, the, you know people like me that uh, have have spent a, a long time trying to build a career. Uh, now, now the thing we want to do is see people like you uh, crushing it and and creating a, a great career. Uh, and if anybody is interested enough to listen to to my story and ask a bunch of questions as far as like what we're doing on this podcast, I've got all the time in the world. Uh, I mean, you don't want to self promote, but why wouldn't you put yourself out there to try to connect with some of these people um, and uh, and and spend a coffee time with them and and then if if there's an opportunity to say you know here's some other stuff i'm interested in my guess is is if you're picking the right people uh, they would be more than happy to connect you to others so that that's i'll call it at the high level um but but the uli association uh there's tons of stuff that you guys do at the university Get out there, get engaged, get involved. I, I mean, Harrison, you're you're involved in you were working with us this last summer, right? So, um, I mean, it's it just don't don't sit back and don't wait for it to happen for you. Uh, don't be shy. Put yourself out there, and people uh, out in our industry can't wait to talk to you. Thank you for that, Trent. Now I know we have to wrap this up but I was hoping you could answer one last question for us. Now, um, that is Calgary isn't doing great right now. Employment is down. The city has a near 25% office vacancy rate. Um, we often compare our, our innovation and somewhat blunt cowboy culture uh, to Texas and the States. What are we missing to become the next Austin? Yeah. Uh, and, and just as a, as a quick comment, the year I moved to Calgary, um, back in 95, unemployment rate was at 10%. The oil price was at 15 bucks. Uh, I mean, there was only a handful of people in my graduating class that got jobs. Um, so, you know, this is as bad as I've seen, 100%. It's like the craziest. I mean, who would have ever seen a pandemic coming? Uh, and then negative oil for that matter. Um, but, uh, you know, things will come back. Uh, so I'm, I'm not 
overly worried about that. And like I also said earlier, I now I'm seeing the collaboration that's going to help move us to where you're talking about. And I'm, I'm, the simple things of low tax, ease to do business and vibrant downtown are, are the keys to me to, to creating that vibrancy, that next Austin. So downtown vibrancy, let's, that's, that's the focus. That's where, where my head is at. Um, how do we create a place to be cool? I was with, uh, you know, happened to have the opportunity to be involved when we pitched to Amazon to uh, come to Calgary. Uh, we knew we were never going to get Amazon. Um, I mean, this was just a great awareness campaign to, to let everybody else out there know that Calgary was a great place uh, to come set up shop. Uh, so we did a whole bunch of creative things as, as far as uh, how we would advertise ourselves to Amazon. Um, and, uh, you know, it was really interesting for me and it hit me between the eyes uh, when they said why they, we weren't going to be shortlisted on the top 10. Uh, and, and it wasn't to do with our high taxes or relative to some of these U.S. Uh, cities. It wasn't to do with our cold weather. Uh, it wasn't to do even with the fact that we were putting out, um, you know, the, a very young, educated workforce that unfortunately was all trained in the wrong stuff from their perspective. Uh, I mean, U of C, U of A, only about 20 to 25 percent of the graduating students uh, on the engineering side have a background in robotics, computer science, those types of things. Whereas Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, uh, and Vancouver, it's in the 50 to 70% range. So I said that, you know, that, that's okay. Um, we can still figure it out because we believe we can attract the right talent if you had a vibrant downtown. And the fact is your downtown sucks. It's not cool. Uh, another, that was a crusher for me. Um, and so for me, how do we create that space? Uh, so the 20 to 40 year olds um, can't wait to live down there, live, work and play. Uh, we need to create more of an amenity, more of a place where people want to be past four o'clock in the evening. Um, and, you know, I, I, we're, we're touching on it. We're hitting on the edges. Uh, we have a lot of work to do, and and I'm throwing all kinds of ideas at administration right now as to how they need to be thinking through this. A lot of us are, and we're all leaned in, uh, but that is definitely uh, the place where we need to focus. Fantastic, Trent. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It is amazing to get a perspective, in your words, from a uh, old guy like you, and uh, <laughs> just really do appreciate it. Well, no, I really appreciate the time and, and anytime would love to uh, chat with you guys and, and wish you all the best and so pumped that uh, you guys are interested in real estate. Cheers. Take care. Take care, Trent. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please subscribe to the Real Estate Student Podcast and share with your friends.